Well, welcome everyone. A part of Matt having to do less, I think that he's given me the hardest chapter of them all. <laughs> all through school, I had lots of issues with teachers saying, you're actually pretty good at your work, but we can't read it. So you're going to fail. And this is a lot, this is what my notes look like, because I, there's this, this bomb that, that Jesus dropped in chapter four. And I've, we've all heard of it. We all know the parables in, 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 that, in that chapter. But I had no idea how silly or stupidly simple they are and how complicated that I made them. And I tried pulling these apart and I realized there's a really powerful theme here that God wants to show. So bear with me in this. There is a direction. So like the other chapters, uh, Mark 4, it, it's so big. So what, we're, what I'm really trying to do is get what I really believe the Spirit was showing me in this time because you can just go over and over again. And I really, really encourage you, like I hope you've been doing with the others, read again, read over the whole chapter and see what the Spirit's going to reveal to you about it. Because I listened, then I read, then I listened, then I read. I just went over and over this and there's just so much in it. And I'm going to do my very best, but the Spirit will, it's alive. It's going to keep going. It's going to keep bringing more to you every time you read this, even though it's just one chapter. So the parable of the sower is really where I believe God was driving home a heap of stuff for me. And again, he began to teach by the sea and a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. So I would have loved to have seen the numbers, but I'm assuming this was a huge ordeal considering he had to get in a boat once again. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, listen, behold. Now I have highlighted that for a reason because it's another thing that I went over and I never cared about. I mean, I've been told to listen my whole life. That's, that was my childhood. Stop talking and listen. And now it's starting to make sense. This, that's, that's a warning. This was a shut up, listen. I have something really important for you and it's, and it's love. It's not meant to be, listen, you fools. It's I, I love you. So keep hearing that, that he loves us in this. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow and it happened as he sowed that some of the seeds fell by the wayside. And the birds of the air came and devoured it. Now, I was actually meant to highlight devoured. They didn't just eat it because it was tasty. They devoured it. That's how it's translated. But there's a lot of power in that, that that seed that is the word of God is devoured, not just slowly swept away. It's, it's stolen, uh, taken and devoured. We have a very, very real opposition to the word of God. And we have to be really serious about, about that. Some fell on the stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it, it was scorched and because it had no root, no root, it withered away. And some of the seed fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it out and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on the good ground and it yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced, some 30-fold, some 60 and some 100. And he said to them, he who has ears, let him hear. This for me was too big at the start of the week. I, I am still trying to understand. It's super simple, but it's super powerful. And we have to take each one of these situations, not be, not be scared by them and not be overwhelmed by them, but understand that, that Jesus didn't just think of this because he was around farmers. 
these are really, really important steps and, and, and things for us to think about. So we know about the birds. We know that, that the enemy wants to steal that. Every day, that word has opposition in our life. And it's not just, oh, I didn't read my Bible today. I didn't get the word in. It's a living, moving, alive word. And there's, there's a physical and spiritual opposition against that. And we have to be wary of that. And the rocky ground, there's no depth there. We have to ask, where is our depth in our life? Sometimes we might get to the end of the week or a conversation, I know for myself, and I go, I really feel quite shallow in that. Or that feels like a shallow conversation or this feels shallow, like there's nothing here. Where, where is my depth? You often see it sometimes if you're, you might be having a conversation and there's literally nothing in that conversation for you and you're almost just surviving through it amongst other people in the world and your depth isn't in that. And I hope, hopefully they're talking about things that are nothing to do with your life. But, and then when you have people who want to talk about this stuff, that's your depth. Your depth is here. And we have to put our roots down into this. And that isn't through works. Let me get that straight. We do not gain depth through works. We cannot work our way to the victory that Jesus already gave us. It's done. And we will never, you're never going to work your way to more belief. You're never going to gain your way or whatever you do, your ministries even. If your ministry, if, if you see that, that is not your way to more depth. Your depth is receiving, believing those words. And that, that is the challenge. That's the hard thing, is actually believing. Do, do we believe what it says? Or do we just wait to see things? And I'll, I'll touch on that a little bit after because there's another really powerful thing that God revealed to me through this week. And then there's the seed among the thorns, which this one really spoke to me. There is good soil here because there's also thorns growing here. Where the road, nothing's growing there. The rocks, there's nothing. But in this place, there's also weeds growing there. It says that it, it began to grow and some seed fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it. So that implies that seed was growing. It was, there was a plant there growing, ready to yield fruit, to do what we're meant to do in life. And then other things grew up around it and choked it out. And for me, when I read this, I'm assuming other people have had this revelation before, but I thought I was, my heart was the good soil. Straight away, I sort of assumed, I go to church, I work, I do works for God, and I believe him. So I must be good soil in my heart. I must, I must have good soil. And then I realized that potentially I have thorns in my life that are competing with the word of God in my life. And there's things that if I'm not careful will grow up inside of me and compete and choke the word of God. And one thing that I, and I'm very young and I don't know everything or a lot, but one thing I have seen compete and run right along with the word of God, especially in the church is experience. Now, experience is great, but if you have a bad experience, for some reason we allow it to compete with what God says, and that's not right. So I saw God said he'd heal, he didn't. Well, I don't believe in healing anymore. Or God said that this would be cast out because we have authority. Well, I didn't see it move, so I don't believe that anymore. And now all of a sudden we have allowed things to be planted in our life that are competing with the Word of God. And that's so wrong. And for some reason... 
because it's passive and it's quiet and we all have them, we all have experiences, we sort of allow it to be okay. And, oh, yeah, that happens sometimes. No. No, we, we, we can't do that because Jesus didn't say, he said, be, listen and behold, this is a serious thing. This isn't just, yeah, but you might find it's a little bit different for your life, Steve, because you're different to Darren. No, it was a blanket, I hate getting all black and white, but it, it was truth. It's real. It's how it is. And that's what God's word is. And we have to learn to stand that that's our depth. When we see that, we don't let anything uproot us. So the good soil, this is nice, sort of. The good soil, this is where I was really challenged. (sighs) Got to deliver this well. It's all love. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some 30-fold, 60 and even 100. I looked at my own life and like I said, I went through, I do works and I have uh, non-Christian friends who seem to love or like this idea of the fact that I'm a Christian and all these other things. And I think, well, that's good. Good soil. Things are growing. I'm producing some fruit. I'm meant to be increasing. If I'm sold out for God and I believe those words, I'm producing fruit all the time. Because the plant is healthy in the healthy soil that is my heart and the plant's allowed to grow, but then it pre-produces. And that is actually, maturity isn't actually age. Not, not in the church. Maturity is actually when we begin to disciple others and produce fruit. That's maturity. Because you can get to whatever age you think maturity is, and if you're not producing any fruit, discipling or, or not being involved in the body, you're not mature. Because I'm, I'm, I look at myself and I go, I don't think I'm that mature anymore. I thought I was. I thought I was. I've got this weird half-growth thing on my face that looks like a beard. Does that make me mature? No, it doesn't. And my age does not reflect my maturity in any way. Because I look at some of the youth here and go, oh pressure. They're doing it well. They're producing fruit and they're reproducing, that their seeds are becoming fruit and that is making, uh, planting other seeds in other people. And God is, the sower is able to sow through that seed. And then sometimes I wonder, (laughs) am I producing fruit or am I just doing good works? So it was massively confronting to me. And I thought, how do I give this this message that I thought everyone understood? Because I thought I understood it. It's about love. It's still love, even though it sounds really harsh. He just said it like this because he loves us so much. He doesn't want us to be hard of heart. He doesn't want us to miss this because obviously it's super easy to miss. And it was so, so simple. I just can't believe I thought I was always the... I, I just never reflected on my own heart as the soil and do I let things compete with the word? So how do we remain good soil? is where I'm at. How do, we, how do we stop those things, other seeds being planted and thrown in? How do we stop our soil degrading and rocks being formed in that place? How do we stop our hearts becoming hard? We have to be really, really careful. And, and, and this is, I don't have all those answers, but the Holy Spirit does. And it's a constant thing for that soil to change, to not support that plant, to not be able to produce fruit. It is a never-ending battle on that soil for our hearts to stay soft or become hard. And 
we have to take all those things captive, to never allow experience to replace God's word, to never let anything else compete with God's word, family, work, works, church, anything, anything that's competing with his word and it's not bringing peace and it's not producing fruit, it can't be of God. It just can't be. While I was getting this, trying to work this out, learning that I don't know a lot, when I was learning about that, God gave me this image and this is new for me. This is actually me learning how to hear what he's saying. But it was an image of, that was my image, not that one, but that's what it looked like. But you have to picture a road, four roads coming away from it. And I couldn't understand what this was about. I couldn't really gauge what God was trying to say here. And then I realised, and I, couldn't, I could see almost like how that sort of says something. I could sort of see something there, but I couldn't read it. And I believe I couldn't read it because it's not for me to read. It's for individuals to know in their own heart which path they're taking in paths of poor choice of words because we're talking about not being the path, but which direction better we're moving in for our hearts to be the right soil. Do I, ever, do I go down this path of competing? Do I go down hardening my heart? Or do I go down having my roots in shallow soil, things of the world that, that aren't going to feed me and I'm going to get scorched and, and die? Or am I taking that path every day? I've worked out that this is a choice. The seed is there. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that your seed can be... You're here because you have a seed. You're here because you have a plant and that is the Word of God that's growing within you. So don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that it's been snatched away because you're having a bad day and your, your plant's dead. That is not what I'm saying. And that multiples of seeds, you have, to, you have to learn a plan you said every day. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that every single day we have to choose what sort of soil God's words are falling into in our heart. And that isn't always nice things. They're sometimes really confronting things. And if we have a hard heart to them, that, that bit that God is trying to, to do to grow our plant and to, and, to, and us to produce fruit, Joel, you swear too much. No, nah, couldn't do that. That's just a social norm. And 10 years ago, that wasn't even, a, you know, and I have a hard heart and I can't hear him and I can't change, I can't produce fruit because my, my mouth is serving two masters. I, I miss out, I lose that. In fact, the kingdom misses out because I am not doing what I'm meant to be doing. I'm not living the restored life that I was given. Last week, Heidi played a, a video and it cut short. Now, I was like, this is the best thing ever and it cut short and I felt like someone smacked me in the face. I was just so into it. So I went back and I've listened to it like 35 times since then because there's this one part in it where Jesus says, let them have Barabbas. And the, the video, base, you should have a look for it. I don't even know the name of it, but there's this part where, again, I never realised that I was Barabbas and that Jesus said, let them have Joel. Let Joel be free. Let his chains be taken off. And that's what he's trying to do. And every time I have a hard heart, I'm accepting the chains. I'm saying that I don't want to hear it and the things that you did for me, they don't matter. They don't count. And I know that's not what I'm intending to say, but I'm losing out. Every time my heart is too hard to hear 
or I've got things competing with me and I'm holding on to the chains that are meant to be dropped off me because he said, let them have Barabbas. He traded, he traded places with me so my heart can be soft once again. And not under the, word, under the law, but under, in living in the word. That the law is done and I'm set free of all that. And now he just wants my heart to be good soil for his words. I'm sorry that this is so, it's just, it's been a massive week. I went and got the, uh, the meaning, uh, the definition for this because it, behold never meant anything to me either in it. And so I thought, that's interesting that he says, behold, listen, why so much emphasis on this, this attention to it? Why do it at all? And especially it was to, to see or observe someone or something especially of remarkable or impressive nature. And I'm like, yes, it is remarkable. It is impressive. Behold wasn't just used because it's a good word and Jesus had a good vocabulary. That's not why he said it. He actually meant it. And I'm like, ah, okay, this stuff, this matters. So I can't convince you of any of this. I can't convince you because I'm not the one who's put the seed in you. I'm not the one who has given the word. I'm not the word. I'm just reminding you of the word, of what he said, of what he's done. And we at some point have to go, yes, I do have the word of God growing up within me and I am responsible of the condition of my heart. No matter what happened, no matter what such and such said in church, no matter what pastor you had before the pastor you've got now and the church that you're in now and the way kids, whatever, whatever the strange things. And this is, I'm not, I'm not condemning, I'm, I'm saying the strange things we get stuck in, whatever has happened before, we still have the responsibility for that plant to grow in good soil. That's our job. That's what he's asking us to do. And he's, he's warning us, behold, take heed, listen, because it's serious. Does anyone know the purpose of a tree or, or an orange tree? Thank you, trivia master. I'm glad you're here because we would never have got that without you. <laughs> Thank you, Jono. It's to produce fruit. How bizarre. How strange. Oranges, in fact, how, how strange that an orange tree would produce oranges. For if it didn't, you would throw it out. Would you not? Because it doesn't just look good. In fact, lemon trees look horrible. They just taste nice with a slice of lemon in a Corona or something else. <laughs> They're just nice. But it's because it, it did its job. It produced fruit. And it has purpose. And its purpose is not to produce oranges. If it's a lemon tree, it's to produce a lemon. And we, our purpose is to produce lives that manifest Christ, to look like Christ. That's our purpose. I had a friend say to me, we were talking about this song and he, I said, I love this song too. And he goes, yeah, I love it as well. And I go, why do you love it? And he goes, oh, because no one really knows what their purpose is and it's really deep. And I'm like, yeah. I don't like how that took me, it took me um, by surprise. I'm like, I should have had an answer right then and there to go, no, I know my purpose. And I had to stop and think about it. And what has now been revealed to me is that our purpose is to manifest Christ, to be like Christ, to become like Christ through the power of the Spirit. And that means the Spirit is what is talking to us about our heart condition. For we cannot be like Christ unless our heart is open to what he's saying. 
the chiseling. Uh, Melissa showed us that video of the guy acting, there's the two guys and one is God with the chisel. And the other guy was saying, God, yep, I want to be who you want me to be. And then as God was chiseling, he was saying, no, stop, it hurts. It's going to hurt. It is going to hurt. But God knows that it hurts for a reason and it's worthwhile. When he starts picking up the stones on our path and flicking them out the way because there's good soil underneath, it's going to hurt. It's going to suck because all the stones are glued together with mortar. And it's going to be hard work sometimes. But we have to be okay with that. We have to be okay with the fact that it's our purpose. And I'm not going to say we're useless, but our use is to be like Christ. That is our point. That is our job. So if we're not doing that, put your own word in there. I'm not going to say it. But what are we? What do we become when we're not like Christ? I don't even know the answer to that. Fruitless? A tree? Firewood? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But it's not a good place. It's not a good place. So the path being dug up, the rocks being flicked out, the thorns being pulled out, they're good places. But it sucks at times. It's hard work. I just used all my content up. The lamp sends... So, sorry, this is another part where I really wanted to if I had more time, but this, you have to read, you guys have to get in there yourself and, and see what God's saying. But basically at this point, the disciples were saying to Jesus, you speak in parables all the time. They, he only really reveals the truth to them because the, the mysteries of the kingdom had only been revealed to them at this point. But then he goes on to give another parable and the rest of the parables all complement the sower. The parable further down um, is about the mustard seed and the fact that heaven is like the mustard seed and it's growing, it's happening. Whether we're there or not, it's happening and the kingdom's moving and if we're not going to produce fruit, it's happening without us anyway. It's going to keep going. This, this light under the basket was, was awesome for me because I was struggling with the parable. I thought this parable, as simple as it is, I was actually really struggling with it because I didn't, I didn't quite understand what a good soil life looked like minus my works, my, you know, chips, camps, boys brigade, being nice to the boss at work and all these things. I didn't, I didn't quite know what it looked like after that. And then, oh, this good teacher dude showed me. I actually go to Google sometimes before I read the next bit down. I'm like, I don't know why I was Googling that. Jesus literally explained it right afterwards. So make sure you read it. Also, he said to them, is a lamp brought to put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampshade? But there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. If anyone, if anyone has, has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he said to them, take heed of what you hear. While the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you hear more will be given." For whoever has, to him more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. I had to read that like a hundred times. If we are good soil producing good fruit and we have a healthy word of God growing in us, our lamp is here. Our lamp is up. People see Jesus through our life. They don't see our works because it's self-fulfilling. It is. It feels good. It's nice to do good things. But that's not what they're seeing. That's not what they're seeing. 
if we are in that place, people see Jesus in us. They see the lamp. And I'm not talking about standing on a soapbox. Listen to God. He can tell you what to do. I'm not going to. But people will know by your life. And then you know you're producing fruit. It's that simple. And that, that takes the complication away. It takes it all away. So assess in your own lives, and your own hearts, what is actually happening in your everyday to day. Even in church, sometimes we don't, we're not showing the lamp of God. We're not. This isn't the fruit produced, and it should be. Another way of looking at it is we are, the, we are like a canvas, and you can't put, God can't put his paint on the ground. He needs to put it on a canvas, and we are the canvas. And unless we are going to be a clear and strong and, and, and pure canvas, he can't, he, the painting's not going to look very good. And together they're an amazing thing. And the canvas becomes a part of the painting, doesn't it? At the start it's just a canvas and then paint. And then there's this masterpiece that comes together and that is our lives. But without him, it's just, it's nothing. And then we're his masterpiece. We need to be the soft soil, the good soil, the, the, the blank canvas. So it, it goes on to talk about this, this taking heed, listening carefully, and more will be revealed to you. Uh, this really, I had to really think about this one. God is so good that when we allow him to grow us, to grow within us and, and let his word come to life, that we will gain more from that, that there's more understanding to be given to us, that it's not always going to just be this, it's not, it doesn't have to be grueling, that he has truths for you, and when we accept it and let him in, that's when he can speak. But how else are we going to hear if our heart is not ready to hear? This is, uh, I found this one really, really confronting because it's basically saying if you have, if you've listened, if you've started to listen, if you're letting that plant grow, he's going to give you more. He's going to give you more. It's, it's, that's actually, if it was in a Bible, it'd be in red. Jesus said it. It's going to happen. No experience is going to come between that. That is going to happen. If you have the seed and you're letting it grow, more is going to come. However, just as important as the bit and truthful as the bit before it, if you don't receive it and if, you, if it lands on a hard heart, even what you do have will be taken away. And Isaiah prophesied about this. 6, 9. Isaiah 6, 9 or 9, 6. But he was literally almost exactly what Jesus said. Prophesied and said, uh, yeah, Isaiah 6, 9. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. They keep, on, keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, their ears heavy and their eyes shut, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return to be healed. So Isaiah prophesied this a long, long time ago and well before Jesus. And then Jesus came and he was the, he was the prophecy made true. He was the answer. And we were praying out there this morning that, that we would not be the ones of hard hearts or eyes that can't see or ears that can't hear. That we don't want to be that because what, we ha- what little we already have or so much we already have, but you know what we understand, it, it will go. It'll be stolen from us is basically what it's saying. If our roots, roots aren't deep, it'll go. Yeah, I can't stress the point enough. So this is another warning just to back up the parable. So I don't really know how this bit's going to work, but I really felt God saying that we have to respond here. 
And that's why I couldn't say any words on that crossroads. But there's a time here where because he loves us, not because he has this perfect model and you have to be, but because he loves us, that he first loved loved us before, while we were sinners, that he wants to arrest things within us and say, this, is help, this isn't helping you. This here in your life is not beneficial for us. For this, this portrait, this plant, this producing fruit and the kingdom moving forward. So what I think what we'll do is I think we're going to pray and I think we really need to be asking God, move away from the idea. If you're, if you're the good soil, awesome. So good, lead by example, we can imitate. But keep asking God and ask him now what it is, if there is something choking, um, what's scorching because your roots aren't deep, and you know what's competing with his word. Has an experience, we've all been in church for a long time, a lot of us here, has an experience replaced itself with truth? Have we substituted truth for experience ever? I have. We had a conversation in an Activate group last week about, it's a massive one, so I don't want to have a conversation now, about Medicine, modern medicine, and it's amazing because I believe God blesses anything we put our hands to because he's that type of father. And the question that ended up coming up was, if there was no medicine, would we believe enough that we didn't need medicine? And I started to think, do we ever, just because the way life is and what we go through and the grind of life, you have to do this, you have to do that because... Because of all these other things and experiences that we've seen, where have we replaced experience for truth? Sorry, truth for experience. Where have we done it? Because we will, have, I reckon we will all have done it. Because heaven forbid, how could all this be true? Well, it is. It is. But it's just the challenge of believing it because the rest is done. It says it's done. So the journey now is getting to the place of believing it and then we'll see it and then we can all eat fruit. So I'm going to pray. If the band want to come up and just do what you do and uh, there'll be some people hanging around if people want more prayer and uh, just want to respond or need, some, need something to talk about or go from where, wherever. Um, but I reckon right now, if there's something on your heart that he's shown you right now, I encourage you to stand up and I, we're going to pray now. Um, so there's anything, I'll put my hand up. There's, you know, there's things in my life that compete with his words. I've got, I, I got disbelief at times where I, even today, he had to say to me before I preached, I've got this. Because I am normally pretty nervous about this sort of stuff. And today I felt like Callie was preaching. I was just going to just keep sitting there. And I felt God say, I've got this. Just let it go. And I hold on pretty tight. I hold on really tight. I'm not a control freak, but sometimes I worry, can he do it? Is he all-powerful? Oh, geez, God, that was a strange move, that one. But he has it. So that's mine. That, that thorn is going to be ripped out. And you're all going to think I'm a quack. It might get a bit weird, but that's gone. And we're going to, we're going to move away from that and rip those things out. So if there's anything, everyone can close their eyes. That makes people feel more comfortable. Just stand up and just confess that. And then we can keep moving. So yeah, I encourage you now, if you have anything, just stand up. Lord God, I just, uh, I thank you for submission to the King. 
I thank you that it's through your power, that it's through your example, through the power of the Holy Spirit that we become more like you, God, through the example of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that it's a soft heart that receives your word, that is able to grow and keep moving, Lord, that, that you only ask that we listen and that we let it go deep, Father, and that the wind, the sun, and all the other things that the world wants to throw us, experience, Lord, hurt, rejection, Lord, we, we cast all that away, Lord. That is not of your kingdom. That is not for us, Lord. You restored us, and restored means to be made new, like new. Lord, it's new, and that's not just a photocopy of how we used to be. That is brand new. And so, Lord, that's what you have for us. And that means taking the things out that aren't of us. So, Lord, I thank you that you made us a new creation, one that had never existed before now, and that it is more and more like you every day. And it's your grace that wakes us up every morning, that your mercy says we can be like you every single day. So, Lord, we offer these things to you because we don't know what to do with them, Lord that we cannot compete with the powers of hell, but you can, Lord. And you, you broke all these things. You defeated death, not us. And then you gave it all to us because you are good and you unlocked our chains. So Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for in advance, Lord. I thank you for what we're gonna see come out of this, Lord, that this, this parable, Lord, that it is never dying, that it's never, it hasn't lost its salt, Lord, that it still tastes good that there's still truth, that there's more truth to come, Lord. And I thank you, Father, that that is with you. So Lord, take the weeds out, all the things that are not of you, Lord, not because you condemn us, but because you want us to be the best possible us we can be. And that means being like you. And you don't have those things. So Lord, take those things away. We give them to you now. In your name we pray. Amen.